Practical wisdom from the first leader of the Christian Church in Jerusalem. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we study James and how to put our faith into action. Yeah, we are in the book of James, and uh, this is the third episode of the book of James. And yesterday we started looking at James chapter 1, verse 2, where he says, Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials and temptations in your life. And um, what I, I think is striking about that is it, it's um, right out of the bat, James doesn't mince any words about anything. He's not greeting anybody. He's not you know, talking about the weather or anything like that. The first thing that comes out of his mouth after he says who I am and who I'm writing this letter to is consider it joy when you face trials and temptations in your life. And I think uh, that is probably the primary message that James wants to get out uh, in this whole book is, is just consider it joy when you're going through trials and tribulations. The people at James' time that were going through the trials and tribulations were the Jewish people that were scattered uh, throughout the world as they knew it because they had been dispersed. They were, they were the diaspora. But we have our own trials and tribulations right now. The major trial and tribulation is you know, the corona vaccine and, and the virus and all that. And um, James would say, consider that joy. Now, I want to just spend, well, we spent some time yesterday talking about um, kind of the deep trials and tribulations in our life, right? Like the vaccine or a loss of a job or a death or something like that and how that's God molding you like clay into the person that he wants you to be. Um, but trials and tribulations don't have to be big. As a matter of fact, they can be small. Uh, they can be just living everyday life. And um, we at our congregation have this image of a tree. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think I can pull that up. Yeah, we have this image of a tree that you've got on the, on the surface looking up, you've got this big, huge trunk of a tree with some branches and some fruit on that tree and then underneath the surface you have this root system which is growing and the thing is you need both in life um, you you can't have a big strong tree above the surface unless you have a strong root system below the surface they're both necessary and they both need to grow in life uh, we're born, we're planted, we sprout, but then the whole process of life is growing into that tree. Uh, my favorite vo- verse about this is Psalm 1, right? We're like a tree planted by the water, we shall not be moved. Um, we, we are planted by living water that gives us life, that gives us breath, uh, that allows us to grow with nutrients. And, you know, we get the sunlight, we get the nutrients from the soil, we get water from the source of life, which is Jesus. And then we grow into this beautiful tree that bears fruit, that, you know, creates other trees, that, um, that brings life and, and joy to the world around us. We, we bear fruit. And that's, that's the image of what it means to be completely the person that God wants you to be. Um, but how do you get there? And why does it have to be so difficult at times? Like, why do we have to have trials and tribulations? And that is, um, that is the question that I think philosophers throughout the ages have asked. Like, why is it necessary 
we live in a generation now that there are a lot of people who don't even believe in God. Um, but throughout most of history, everybody's believed that there's God. So the question is, why does God make it so difficult for us? Why can't, it why can't life just be easy? And uh, we're going to talk about that today because um, there's actually a couple different answers to that question. Um, why is life difficult? <laughs> I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. Um, why can't it just be easy? And uh, there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, uh, let's look at Jesus himself. When Jesus came into this world um, in Mark, he talked about, um, let's see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, right here. This is in Mark chapter one, beginning of verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So when Jesus came, this is right at the beginning of Mark, Jesus says the time, the kingdom of God has now come. Repent and believe the good news. Now this word repent that Jesus has uh, is metanoiata, which means change your mind, of, change the way you think about things. The, the time has come. This is not chronological time. This is like a, an event. This is an explosion of time that's come into the world. This explosion of time has come into the world. Repent and believe. Now, this word repent is metanoiata in the Greek. And metanoiata in the Greek means change your mind. Meta, change, noiata, mind. And believe, pistuata. So repent and believe the good news. Now, when the, when the early church translated the Greek New Testament into Latin, uh, they translated this word penit, repent, to, uh, this word metanoiata to penitentia, which means to be repentant, which means to be penitent. Uh, it means to be sorry for your sins and, and say that you're going to do better. And um, as many, many Greek scholars have gone back and looked at this word metanoiata, they don't believe that that sense of repentance is the main force behind this word. When Jesus came into this world, he didn't say, um, be sorry for your sins and now, uh, you know, believe in me. That is, that is kind of a reading back into this. Now, why is this important? Because uh, the, we should be sorry for our sin. There's no question about it. But what Jesus is really telling us is to think a new way about life. That, that he has come onto the scene to help us think about new ways of thinking about the world around us. He wants us to consider his life and the teachings that he's going to teach and then let those things influence how we live our life. And uh, I, I think that the church has done a disservice when they think that the only issue is just that we need to be sorry for our sins. We do need to be sorry for our sins. But Jesus also came to show us how we can live our life in the midst of all the trials and temptations that this life has to offer. Now, at its root, sin is... Uh, the, the word uh, sin is hamartia, which means to miss the mark. 
which is basically an archer shoots an arrow and it goes and it doesn't hit bullseye. It hits off of bullseye. And so the whole purpose of life and growing in this world is to let God help our aim so that it gets closer and closer to the bullseye. We'll never reach the bullseye because the only person that's ever reached the bullseye is Jesus himself. But his, exi- his example, his perfect life shows us what it's like to get you know the techniques and the tr- and the things to do to try to get closer and closer to the bullseye, and um, and that's basically what metanoia is. Jesus is like, here's how you get closer and closer and closer to the bullseye. So think about these things and then believe in these things, uh, and that's the good news. Basically, that's what Jesus is saying. Now Luther basically says the same thing uh, in his. Study of Psalm 119, Luther comes up with these three ways to get closer and closer to the bullseye. Uh, he calls it oratio, meditatio, and tentatio. Those big fancy Latin words, but it basically means oratio is prayer. Now, Luther was a monk, and so as a monk, he would pray seven times a day. He would go pray the Psalms once a week. He would go completely through the Psalms once a week through prayer. So Luther knew the Psalms and he knew about prayer. Uh, and what Luther said is that if you pray the prayer book of the Bible, which is the Psalms, if you go through that week after week, if you understand the heart of God and sing the songs of God, which is all in the Psalms, then it's going to get you closer and closer to what God wants you to be. So you have to pray. That's the oratio part. The meditatio uh, is this contemplation about what do the Psalms say. Uh, And so you meditate on the Psalms. You meditate about the things of God. You meditate about your life. You meditate about what's going on. Uh, And then the third one is this tentatio. And tentatio uh, is a word that means um, tension or... uh, or just, you know, living in this conflict of your life, this tentatio that says, okay, now I'm in conflict. What am I going to do to to get closer and closer to God? And so basically what Luther said is that you pray, you meditate, and then you have this tentatio, this, this conflict, this living your life and trying to get God to shape your life into the person that he wants you to be. And that's basically, those are the types of things that we do as Christians, as followers of Jesus, so that our root system can grow, so that we can become a tree planted by the living water. And that's basically the first thing out of the bat that James says. So that's part of the reason why we have trials and temptations in our life. It's so that we can use them to grow Uh, in our faith and grow in our world and be turned into the person that God wants us to be in this world. I mean, so then the next question is, well, then is that why God allows, I mean, is is God behind all the temptation? I mean, is is God behind the scenes putting all these trials and tribulations in our life so that we have tribulations so that we can grow and become the person that he wants us to go? And we're going to find out in James that's not necessarily true. God is not the author of all the trials and temptations. The authors, the author of trial and temptations in our life is ourselves because we live in a fallen world. 
When we lived in the Garden of Eden, there was no trial and temptation because we were completely nested in the arms and the comfort and the care of God. When you're completely nested in the arms and the comfort and the care of God, there is no trial and temptation because God's taking care of everything. And then we fell uh, and we were taken out of the garden and now God uh, you know, puts barriers in front of us to because of that. We have to work for our food. We have to have pain and childbirth. All these things that are going to come into our life uh, as, as a root cause of, of all the trials and tribulations. But it is not God that did it. It is ourselves that did it when we violated God's law uh, and we were placed outside of the garden. And basically the, the, I mean, what that all is is that we have free will. That the care and comfort and concern of our life is no longer nested in the arms of God. It's nested in sinful mankind. So, of course, we're going to mess it up. We're going we're gonna to fail in all sorts of ways. But the cool news is that God never left. We left the garden, but God never left us. Uh, the trials and temptations are things that he doesn't necessarily want us to go through, but he knows that we're going to go through. And so he helps carry us. He gives us his power and his spirit to carry us through the trials and temptations. So part of being a follower of Jesus Christ is understanding that God never left, that we're still in his care and his concern. And yeah, we live in this world that's got all sorts of messed up problems, but we as citizens of the kingdom are citizens of a different world. And as citizens of this world, we have all rights and privileges and joys that come with that world of living in the kingdom. And if you, if you focus on that first and put that first in your life, then getting through all the trials and the tribulations and the temptations is actually just secondary. And it basically just helps you grow in your faith. And you know that God has never left you and that he is still walking beside you uh, and you're still part of the kingdom. And yeah, these things are happening in my life, but the big picture is that I'm still resting comfortably in the arms of God. He's using these things to help me grow. Uh, and when I grow, I get bigger and stronger and then I become more compassionate. I become the person that God wants me to be. And then he can use me then to spread his kingdom and out and throughout the world so that I can bring joy uh, to the world around me, bring joy to myself, bring joy to the, around, to the world around me. And that's basically what life is. And it's not a bad life. I mean, yeah, we go through a lot of things in this world, but you can get through a lot of junk in this world if you know that God is with you um, and, that he, and that he cares for you. Um, there was a, a guy that went through a, a concentration camp uh, Victor Frankl, and uh, you know he wrote a book called the the meaning of life. Uh, what was that? <laughs> and um, and basically he said that if you have purpose or meaning, you, you know the humans can get through a lot of things if man search for meaning in life, right? Like if you know that there's meaning, that you can uh, you can get through a lot of things if you know that there's a deeper purpose. Well, we know that there's a deeper purpose. Our deeper purpose is that we live in the kingdom. And when you know that, the trials and tribulations become secondary. And the older you get, the more mature you get, the wiser you get, the more you've seen God get you through all these things in your life, the, the easier it is to see God and his work in that life 
And the easier it is to see that the things of this world are secondary or tertiary, uh, that they're not even important. That's basically the message of James. It's the message of Luther. It's the message of Jesus, right? We talked about this yesterday in the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when you have all this junk in your life because through that junk, I'm going to come into your life and I'm going to help you grow uh, and you're going to become my child and you're going to see the plan that I have for this world uh, and life is going to be filled with joy. That is truly, um, that's truly what it's all about. Now, so going back to our image of a tree, one of the things that we know about a tree is that it can grow quite comfortably. Uh, if, uh, like I have grapes outside and they're in a pot. And because they're in a pot, they have a shallow root system and I have to water them every day. And if I don't water them every day, they'll die. But a, a grape vine out in the wild, what you can do is a deep soaking. And as you do a deep soaking of the grapevine, that puts stress in the root system. The root system has to go and find water. So the root system grows stronger and stronger and stronger. So there, in the wild, you don't want to water a grapevine every day. As a matter of fact, if you grow grapevine every day, as soon as the first storm comes, it's going to topple over. Or as soon as the first drought comes, it's going to die. What you want to do with a grapevine is actually water it periodically with a deep soaking. And that way, the root system is going to grow and it's going to seek out that water and it's going to get bigger and bigger. As a matter of fact, you can have a root system that's huge, that's getting water from a whole bunch of different places. Uh, and that root system is going to grow big, but it requires stress in life for that to happen. It doesn't happen just overnight. You basically water it and then you don't water it and you create stress and trials and tribulations in that plant. And it's going to seek out and it's going to grow. But the larger that root system is then of that grapevine, then the stronger it is up above the surface. Because if you've ever seen a tree, half the tree is underneath the surface and half the tree is above the surface, right? For as much branches there are above the surface, there's almost a mirror image of that below the surface that's supporting the tree. Uh, you can't have one without the other. And so if you want to have a big, healthy tree that's got big branches and bearing big fruit, then you have to have that size of tree underneath. And that happens by deep watering, times of stress, try, times where you don't water the tree. And so the tree pushes out and tries to find water and it gets a bigger and bigger root system. And that's how that tree grows healthier and bigger. Well, the same thing is true for us. We're going to have trials and tribulations in our life so that we can grow and find the source of life, which is Jesus. We do not grow in our faith very well in times, in good times. That's just not the way we're created. But we grow in our faith extremely well when we are connected to the source of life and trials and tribulations come. But if you're not connected to the source of life and trials and tribulations come, then it can destroy you. But when you are connected to the source of life and trials and tribulations come, it helps you push up that root system and helps you get molded and shaped into the person that God wants you to be. And then finding out that God was with you through those trials and tribulations is the source of joy, incredible joy. And that's basically what James is saying, right? Um, well, let's look at it one. Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials 
tribulations of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith, this growth, produces perseverance or growth. It produces something in you. And let that something in you, that perseverance, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So basically that when you have these trials and tribulations in your life, you are turning into the work that God wants you. That God wants you to be. You're, you're becoming the finished product that God wants you to be. You're becoming something that he can now use to bring his life and joy into the world. <sighs> I, f- I find incredible joy in this. Um, in my own life and probably in yours too. I mean, I've experienced lots of things that have made me stop and pause and have the presence of God burst into my life so that I can grow in huge and various ways. And it doesn't happen overnight. This type of stuff happens through a lifelong part of faith. I, um, I'm always envious. I'm, some of you may know that I did not come to faith until I was in junior high school. And uh, so I missed out on the stories of the Bible. I missed out on, you know, nightly prayers. I missed out on some of the stuff that I see other, you know, strong Christian families we did with our own children. Um, You know, give them the stories of the Bible, teach them the faith at a young age, you know, help them grow and shape their faith in a young age. I was always very envious of the people that that you know by the time I was in junior high my faith was very very you know weak but I met some people you know even in junior high some of my friends in my school you know that, that had a strong faith and you could see it in them and um and I was always strong and envious but um it doesn't take long for God to have events in your life to help you kind of fill in the void and fill in the vacuum and part of it was probably already there anyway, uh, because while while I wasn't you know you know going to church every Sunday, I had people in my life that were helping me build my faith, which I'm very grateful for. Um, the the natural The natural way this happens is that faith, you know, you bring faith early into a child, and then you grow that faith from day one, you know, so that it continues to grow. But God does miraculous things, even if that faith, you know, doesn't happen until junior high and all of a sudden it explodes. It doesn't take long before it, you know, it can be a strong faith. Um, I do wonder what my faith would look like if I, you know, if I had started earlier or if I had done different things in my life. Um, interesting. But I, I'm grateful for the faith that he's given to me. And the faith that I have is not my own. It's the faith that he gives me. I mean, that's part of growing in faith, too, is learning that it's nothing that you do, and it's everything that he does in you. He creates you that if you're watered and if you're nutrient and you have sun, it's not hard to become a tree, right? Uh, you, you have a, I have a plant, these grapevines, and all it needs is water, sunlight, and every once in a while, a little bit of nutrition, right? And it's going to grow into this big, huge, growing grapevine that you can't stop. Uh, and the same thing is true with the tree, right? You plant a tree in your front yard. If you give it water and sunshine every once in a while, fertilize it, there is nothing that's going to stop that tree. It is designed for this way. So those are the three things that we need in life in order to grow in our faith. And, uh, and as long as those things happen, we're going to grow in our faith. And when the trials and tribulations come, we grow in our faith deeper.
And that's what James is talking about. So I, uh, I think that's all I wanted to say. So why is life so difficult? That question I wrote at the very beginning. Um, that James is going to talk about that. Where does the trial and tribulation come from? So we'll get into that also. But just kind of a sneak peek on that. Um, the trials and tribulations do not come from God, but he helps us get through the trials and tribulations. The trials and tribulations are of our own doing because we live in a sinful world. It's all on us. But that's okay because he comes and um, fills us with his joy and his life so that we can move forward. So um, yeah, let's, let's leave it there and then we'll, uh, we'll close in prayer. Dear God, um, I guess I should say thank you for trials and tribulations when you are with us because we know that you're with us and that through them you help us grow to become the people you want us to be. And for that, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.